Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. I want to finish the word that the Lord put in my heart yesterday. Um, I had planned, I promise you, that yesterday was not intentional. I had a message for today called Living Under the Care of God. The psalmist said, I look to the hills. Where does my help come from? And he said, my help comes from where? Not the mountains, but from the Lord. Amen. So we're going to have to save that sermon for another glory night, worship night or something. And I'll, and I'll talk to you about living under God's care. But what I want to do tonight is I want to finish up the message that the Lord put in my heart. And uh, before we do that, um, can I just say how encouraged and proud I am to see you guys tonight? Amen. I want you to know that you bless me too. There, when I see your face here, it's very encouraging to me because let me tell you something, as I said last night, I'm going to follow and seek the Lord regardless of who's coming with me or not. But the journey's a lot better when you got other people with you, amen? It feels good when you see your friends. Uh, let me tell you, one of the things that I am the most proud of is that I see the majority of my life group here. I, I, and I'm proud of all of you guys, but I'm especially proud that my life group is here tonight. You know, I, I also, I like to express my gratitude a lot. And I just want to say thank you to a couple of people that as I was worshiping, um, the Lord just kind of put in my heart. Um, you guys don't know this and you may never know this, but, oh, she's actually back there. But back in that room, that's where we do our live streaming. And tonight we have Erica, a woman doing it for the first time. Amen. So those of you watching online, you are being ministered by Erica. Amen. And, 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 and speaking of Erica's, we got another Erica who's going to give a baby any day. And she's been here blessing us with the sound. And she's been faithful. Amen. And I know, I, I mean, our worship team is amazing, right? And we always talk about Mark and Mimi. But I, I don't think we often talk about Haleana and Stephen. And man, just their faithfulness, their consistency, their love for the Lord, they're, they're just difference makers. And our church is filled with wonderful people. Amen. Wonderful, wonderful people. I don't have enough time to name everybody, but as I was worshiping, the Lord just put those faces in my, in my, in my heart and I just wanted to share that. Amen. Well, if you have your bulletin or your outline, I want to invite you um, to uh, grab that. And I just want to ask a question to make sure we start off on the right page. Why are you here tonight? Why are we here tonight? Well, we got a crazy pastor who tries to keep us busy. So it's not like we didn't have a lot going on in December. He had to add this crazy weekend on the first weekend of the year. That's why we're here, because this guy's nutty. Maybe, maybe. But I hope there's something bigger than that. Why are we here? I'll tell you why I'm here and why I hope you're here. Because we want to put God first. Because we want to see God. And we want to be intentional about saying we're going to give God the very first of our year. 
our first weekend, our first Friday, our first Saturday, our first Sunday, our first month in fasting. You guys ready for fasting? I had my tacos today after church. I'm gonna go have my, my Coke Zero and I'm gonna be ready for fasting, right? But, but we're here to put God first. And, and I wanna tell you a quick story before I jump into my message. And if I don't finish it, it's all right, okay? We'll save it for next year. Um, I wanna tell you a story. It's a true story to encourage you. Because I don't know where you are. Some of you are here, you may be saying, I'm gonna try to give this God thing a try. Or maybe you're trying, but you feel that it's not making a difference, that it doesn't really matter. I want to tell you a true story to encourage you to put and seek God first. The story tells of a young boy named James who had a big desire. And his big desire was to be the most famous, the most famous manufacturer and salesman of cheese in the world. He planned on becoming rich and famous by making and selling cheese. So you know what this young boy did at a very young age? He began with a little buggy pulled by a pony named Patty to sell cheese. He would make his own cheese, and after loading it into his wagon, he and Patty would drive down the streets of Chicago to sell cheese his cheese. As the months pass, the young boy began to get discouraged and and to despair because he was working too hard, but not making enough money. He was doing a lot, but having very little success. He was working hard hours without much fruit. So one day he pulled this pony named Patty aside and began to talk to the pony. And he said to the pony, Patty, there's something wrong. We're not doing something right. And I'm afraid that what we've gotten wrong is that we've turned things around and our priorities are not where they're supposed to be. Patty, we ought to serve God and place him first in our lives and then have him lead us in our business. The boy drove home. He got in his bed and made a covenant with the Lord that night that for the rest of his life, he would serve God first and then work as God directed. Many, many years later, this young boy, now a man, stood as the Sunday school superintendent of North Shore Baptist Church in Chicago. And as he stood on one specific service, he said the following to the congregation, I would rather be a layman in the church than the head of the greatest corporation in America. My first job is serving Jesus. So today... Every time that you take a bite of Philadelphia cream cheese or every time you sip a cup of Maxwell house coffee or every time you mix 
Kool-Aid or slice up a pizza of DiGiorno or cook mac and cheese or spray some gray poop on or serve a bowl of cream of weeds or slurp down a jello or eat cream out of the middle of an Oreo cookie or serve your family uh, uh, stovetop. Remember the boy and his pony patty. And the promise that James L. Craft made to put God first and have him lead him in how he served. Great things can happen when we put God first. So I don't know about you, but I'm ready to make a covenant with the Lord and say, I'm going to seek you and put you first and have you lead my life like you want it. How about you? You ready? Come on, would you tell somebody, I'm ready to put God first. God is first this year. Amen? God is first. Amen? Let's pray and then I'll start preaching. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for your presence, for your love. We thank you that you are in our midst. You know our name. You have a plan for us. You have given us your love, your spirit, Lord. I pray, Lord, that tonight something would shift in the supernatural world, Lord, that would make the rest of our day different, better, glorious, full of blessings and full of victories. Father, we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. If we're going to put God first, if we're going to seek God and say, we're going to live for you and have you guide and direct the rest of our life, not only do we have to declare that, but as I said yesterday, the Bible tells us that faith without actions is what? Dead. So we got to put some actions to our faith. We got to put some legs to our hope. We got to put a plan to our desires. And if we are going to walk into 2024 so that it's a year of blessing, so that it's a year of fruitfulness, so that it's a year of growth, so that it's a year of, of healing, so that if it's a year of blessing, anybody need a year of, of blessing and rest? Amen. We're going to have to put God first. And the way we do this is by doing four things. And I want to go back and read the story once again, just in case you weren't here last night. And I want to finish up the last two steps that we see in this passage that are going to allow us to take possession of the promised land in 2024. Are you with me? Amen. Look at what it says right there in your outlines, Joshua 5, 1 through 12. It says, now when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until they had crossed over, their hearts melted in fear and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. At that time, what did the Lord say to Joshua? Make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites. At that time, so Joshua made flint, made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites at Gibeath Haraloth. Now, this is why he did so. All those who came out of Egypt, all the men of military age, died in the wilderness on the way after leaving Egypt. All the people that came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness during the journey from Egypt had not. The Israelites 
had moved about in the wilderness 40 years until all the men who were of military age when they left Egypt had died since they had not obeyed the Lord. For the Lord had sworn to them that they would not see the land he had solemnly promised their ancestor to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So he raised up their sons in their place. And these were the ones Joshua circumcised. They were still uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. And after the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained where they were in camp until they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the place has been called Gilgal to this day. On the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated what? The Passover. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land, and there was no longer any manna for the Israelites. But that year, they ate the produce of what? Canaan. So as I share with you, the backstory to this passage is that Israel, the Israelites had been slaves for 400 years under the power of Egypt. And for 400 years, they had cried and prayed to God that he would send a deliverer to rescue them and free them from the slavery. 400 years passed and God used a man named Moses through whom he displayed his power and brought out the children of God out of Egypt. But as soon as they got out, they messed it up, right? See, I hear people say, when I get to heaven, I'm gonna find Adam and Eve and I'm gonna slap them across the face. Because they messed it up for the rest of us. I gotta work, I gotta suffer, I get sick, because Adam and Eve messed it up. Well, can I tell you something? You've messed it up plenty of times. And not just for you, but for others. And the Israelites, the Lord had just freed them. And they didn't believe God. They doubted God. They disobeyed God. So what did God have to do? He said, okay, you're not going to trust me. You're not going to believe me. Well, guess what? You are not going to inherit the promise. I will fulfill my promise, but not to you, to your children. So for 40 years, they are wandering through the desert. One woman in one occasion said that if Moses had asked his wife for directions, they would have gotten to the promised land within one year. I don't know if that's true or not, but they wander for 40 days, 40 years. And after the generation that had not believed God had died, God brings them to the door of the promised land and between the people of God and the promise is the Jordan River. God dries it up. They walk across. And as they walk across, God says, wait a minute. Before you take possession of the promise, before I fulfill my word to you, we got we to gotta put some things in order. We got to address some things in your life. There's four action steps. There's four preparations that we too need to make 
before we take possession of the promises of God for us in 2024. If we're going to believe that the best for us is not behind us, but ahead of us, that we need to make four preparations. We need to take four actions. Yesterday, I shared the first one with you, and you can fill this out in your outline. If we're going to enter a new year, the first step, the first thing we got to do, the first preparation we need to make is that we need to identify with God. Let me say it another way. We need to live a life of consecration to God. It was the circumcision that identified the Israelites with the promise to Abraham. It was the cutting back of the skin that distinguished them. For you and I, and guys, you ought to be very glad for this. For you and I, it's no longer a physical circumcision, but a circumcision of the heart where we have to cut back everything that stands in the way of us and total surrender to God. Every relationship, every thought, every habit, every deed, every and anything that stands in the way, we got to cut it back. We got to identify with God and make God our top priority. And, and to do this, it's got to cost us. You know, I didn't say this yesterday, but being here yesterday and being here today has cost me plenty. Yesterday, check this out. Yesterday, I got invited to the Laker game for free, really good seats. And I told them, I said, I wish I could go. I, I want to call Manolo and tell him, Tag, you're it. You're preaching on Friday. But I could hear the voice of Lorena, which sounds a lot like the voice of the Holy Spirit. Saying, oh boy, you're asking the church to put God first and you're going to start at, st at, I almost called it Staples Center, Crypto Arena, right? Today, I also got plenty of invitations. But saying yes to God requires us to say no to other things. Amen? But it's worth it. Number two, the second thing to enter a new year, we saw this yesterday, you have to allow God to heal you. We said... That pain is not necessarily, uh, 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 it doesn't necessarily signify that God is upset at you, that you have done something wrong. Yes, sometimes we experience pain because we're knuckleheads. We're stubborn because we don't want to get it. But there is pain that we experience because God inflicts us with pain. Because sometimes he's got to bruise us to bless us. Sometimes he's got to knock us out to lift us up. And the second kind of pain that we're going to experience is not because God inflicts it, but because we are following God. People will despise us. People will talk about us. People will criticize us. People will try to put us down. But we've said that regardless of the source of pain, God can heal our deepest wounds. Let me tell you, when pain comes into your life, don't run to a substance. Don't run to Jack don't run to Don Julio. Don't run to any substance because you won't find your healing there. You'll hurt yourself more. Don't run to try to drown your pain in shopping and in more debt. Don't run to do something stupid. Run to God because your healing is found in God. And if we're going to go into a new year, we can't go into a new year with last year's hurts. 
God wants us to walk in healed and whole so that we can enjoy the blessings that he has for us. Amen? So number three, I want to give you the third one, the third action step, the third preparation. If you're going to take possession of the promises in 2024, the third thing we need to do is that we got to leave the past behind. We got to leave the past behind. And I'll explain what I mean by this. Look at what verse nine says. It says, then the Lord said to Joshua, look at this, this is beautiful. This might be somebody's verse of the year. He says, today, when? Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from who? From you. If you want 2024 to be a year of blessing, to be a year of victory, you have to embrace God's fresh start for you. God offers us a fresh start. In fact, that's one of the beauties about God in our everyday, but especially at the beginning of the year. The Bible tells us that his mercies are new every day. You got to embrace the fresh start that God gives you because we need it. Look at what he tells Joshua. He says, Joshua, today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt. But notice when this happens, it happens after they've been circumcised, after they've identified with God and after they've allowed God to heal them. He says, Joshua, today I have taken away the reproach from Egypt in your lives. What does that mean, pastor? What does it mean that God took away the reproach of Egypt? Well, God took the shame and the guilt that they brought with them from their time in Egypt. Because you can't be a slave for 40 years and suddenly become a free person and forget the 400 years of slavery. See, sometimes we drag with us the things that happened to us in the past. And God says, today, today I have made something wonderful in your life. I, I have not only taken you out of Egypt, but today, I want to take Egypt out of you, right? If you grew up in Pacoima, you know the old hood saying, right? You can get out of the hood, but it's hard to get the hood out of you, right? See, some of you, you're sanctified hood people because God still hasn't taken the hood out. But today, he says, I'm taking the hood out. You're not going to walk, cripple. You're not going to stand in an awkward position. I hope you know I'm joking, right? But see, here's what God did to the Israelites and he wants to do for you and me today. He rolled away their shame. He rolled away, he wiped away their guilt. He wiped away their hatred. He wiped away their sorrow. He wiped away their mistakes. He wiped away their faults. He wiped away their stubbornness. He wiped away their fears. He wiped it all away. Can I tell you of just two instances, two big events that I am pretty sure that this generation carried with them as they went through the journey? The first one is found in Exodus 32, and we're not going to go there. Let me just narrate it. God brings the people of God to the mountain. 
and he tells Moses, Moses, tell the people to stay here and I want you to come up to the mountain and meet with me. And for 40 days, Moses fasted. And after 40 days, God appeared to him. He showed him his glory. But what did he also give him? The Ten Commandments. And as Moses was receiving, as Moses was having this experience with God, God says, hey, by the way, you better hurry up and go down there because your people are getting in trouble. Moses begins to descend from the mountain. And what is it that he hears? He hears the noise. He gets to the foot of the camp. And what does he find the Israelites doing? They had made a false idol because they thought that Moses had died and they needed a God to worship. And that day, many of them died. And I am sure that the people of Israel carried this event with them. The day that God had been so good to them and they were so foolish that they worshiped false gods. And if you think that was bad enough, the other big event is found in Numbers 14. And in Numbers 14, we know the story where, where spies are sent into the new land. Go and check out the land. Go and see if God is lying. That's basically what they did, right? They said, go and see if what God says about the land is true. And what do these 12 spies do? They go and they come back and they said, indeed, it is a good land. Indeed, it is a land flowing with milk and honey. But 10 out of the 12 spies had a bad report. And what was that bad report? They said, you know, it is a good land, but there's some giants there. And we can't do anything about it. And if we try to face them, we're going to die. And only two of the 12 spies believed that that land, in spite of the giants, was theirs because God had said so. And that cost them entering the promised land. See, and before we go any further, come on, can we just be honest about our shame and our guilt? Anybody ever act a fool? Anybody ever had a little too much to drink? Anybody ever got more angry that they should? Anybody ever got more friendly that they should have? Come on, we, we, we don't talk about these things because they're the skeletons in our closet. See, here's what you got to know. God knows. And you know. And the enemy knows. And anytime you try to get serious, what does he whisper? Hey, remember July 4th, 1999? <laughs> he tries to remind us of our mistakes. He tries to remind us of our shame. He tries to remind us of our foolishness. Why? To keep us from going forward. And let me tell you, one of the huge impediments to the blessings that God has for you this year are last year's issues. And I say that again, I thought somebody would have said amen. One of the biggest impediments to this year's blessings are last year's issues. Don't let last year's issues affect the way you worship this year. Don't let last year's mistakes determine 
how much and how well you serve God this year. Don't let last year's hurt stop you from loving well and fully this new year. Don't let last year's marriage problems keep you from having a healthy marriage this year. Don't let last year's failures keep you from believing God and going after the promises that he's giving you for this new year. You know what we ought to do? We ought to bury the stuff that try to bury us. Come on, somebody. We, we, we ought to have a funeral for our shame and our guilt. And say, you know, Satan, that stuff that you try to use to bury me, I'm going to bury it. I'm going to leave it in my past. Because you know what? Jesus did bury it. That's why he was in the tomb for three days. He went to the tomb to leave our sins, to leave our shame, to leave our wretchedness, to leave all the wrongdoing so that he could come alive and give us what? New life. So you got to leave the past behind you. Especially if you're in in our relationships, we got to stop bringing up the past. The Bible says that we are a new creation. Amen? See, as I was praying, the Lord put this in my heart. And I want to be very sensitive and I want to be very respectful. There's some of you, you were abused. Maybe as a child, maybe as a teenager. Maybe it was sexually or emotionally or physically. I want to tell you that God wants to wipe away the shame and the guilt that has been hounding you all of your life. You are not a victim. You are not reusable. You are not dirty. You are not a waste. You are beautiful. You're wonderful. You're worth it. You are precious to Jesus. You can have a good life and healthy relationships because God wipes away the shame and guilt that we bring from Egypt. In the book of Corinthians chapter one, verse six, I don't know if this is in your outlines or not. Paul's talking about the kind of people that will not inherit the kingdom. And he talks about drunks and homosexuals and idolaters and all this stuff. And I love, I love verse 11 because this is so true of you or me. And and when the enemy tries to remind you of your past, remind him of what Christ did in your past. And look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, 11. And he says, after he's speaking about all the people who will not inherit the kingdom, and he says, and that is what some of you what? Were. You're not an addict anymore. You're not a waste anymore. Maybe you were. But look at what Jesus did. He says, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of God. That's who we were. That's not who we are. The shame of Egypt has been rolled away. Let's walk into the new year with a new identity, with new freedom, with new peace, with a fresh start. Embrace God's fresh start for your life. Number four, here's the fourth preparation, the fourth action step. This is a big one. 
The fourth thing we gotta do to embrace the promises of God this coming year is we gotta celebrate our victories. You gotta celebrate your victories. You know, can I just tell you something? Can I confess something? I, I, I know I'm complaining a little bit here or maybe I'm just grinding my gears. I cannot understand for the life of me why as Hispanics we're so good at celebrating, but then we come to church and like we lose our Latin flavor. You're, you're at the Vallarta and they're playing the radio and Celia Cruz comes out and there you are moving your hips in the car. You're at the bowling alley and they play music and you're doing your Michael Jackson moves. But then you walk to church and you have amazing worship like we did today. And suddenly you're all composed and respectful and clean. And, you know, I got a master's degree, but you didn't have it at the Vallarta when you were pushing the car listening to Celia Cruz. You hear me? We got to learn to celebrate the victories of God. I love the way Pastor Manolo says it. I'm stealing that phrase from him. We got to make a big deal out of God. That's what celebrating victories are about. Look at what verse 10 says. It says, on the evening of the 14th day of the month, while they camped at Gilgal. Now, Gilgal is the same place where the circumcision and the healing and the rolling back of Egypt happened. But it's also the place where they what? They celebrated the Passover. The Passover was a celebration. Now, let me tell you how significant this is. For 40 years, they had been wandering in the desert and they had not been able to celebrate the Passover. For 40 years. And the Passover represented that death had passed over them. The Passover was one of their greatest victories. Because if you remember, the last plague was that the angel of God was going to come over the land of Egypt and was going to kill the firstborn of every human and every animal. But God gave the Israelites instructions and he says, take a lamb, take a perfect lamb and kill it and take its blood and smear it on the doorpost of your homes. And when the angel comes, it will what? Pass over you. Now, let me tell you why that's important. Because at that time for them, that was their greatest victory. It was after that plague that Pharaoh said, get out of here. I don't want you here anymore. Go. For 400 years, they had been asking for their freedom. And it took death to bring their freedom. But it wasn't death to them. It was death to their enemies. And and up to this point, the Passover is one of their greatest victories. But the Passover, what they didn't understand also, was that it was a shadow that it pointed, not to the greatest victory in the past, but to the greatest victory that would happen in the what? In the future. Because when Jesus came, he was the perfect lamb that died for us. So that now what? Death passes over us. Jesus is our Passover. See, what sometimes we forget is that some of us should have been dead. Some of us, our marriage should have been dead. 
Our self-esteem should have been dead. Our mind should have been dead. Our peace should have been dead. Our family should have been dead. Our dreams should have been dead. Our finances should have been dead. Our joy should have been dead. But Jesus... The perfect lamb, right? His blood was smeared over our lives and we were washed and we were taken from dead to what? To life. And we forget that. See, sometimes you feel like the people up here gotta give you a reason to smile. Anytime you need a reason to smile, all you gotta do, you can't see it now, but you'll see it after this week, is look at the cross. Because it was at the cross where the perfect lamb was killed so that you could be forgiven and so that you and I who deserve death can now experience life. That's our greatest victory. But you know what kind of God we got? That not only does he give us what we need, but even sometimes what we want. And we got to do something about that. You know, we're really good at bringing out petitions, right? We're really good. Anybody got a petition? Everybody's got a petition, right? And, and I'm not putting that down. I'm not putting it down. I, I believe that, that it's a biblical commandment. I believe that it's proper to do. But we're good at bringing petitions. And we're also good at complaining to God when he doesn't fulfill our prayers and our timing. God, it's 2024. I wanted to be married by 2020. What's going on? God, you know, I filled out 10 applications and nothing has happened. What's going on? But then when God is good to us, suddenly we get very shy. And we don't want to tell about the victories of God. We just want to be humbled. Can I tell you something? When it comes to the things God does in your life, it's okay to not be humble. Because your humble hides his glory. And we got to learn to make a big deal out of God. In fact, you know what I want us to do? You know one of the things that we're going to do in the life groups? We're going to have a time of praise reports. And we're going to learn to make a big deal out of God. And we got to get comfortable about sharing the blessings that God does in our lives. Yeah, listen to me. As I tell you this, I'm preaching to myself because I'm not very good. I'm not very good at giving glory to God. And God has been very, very good to me, especially this past year. Can I tell you of one instance? Last year for my birthday, July 2nd, I I was scheduled to preach at La Iglesia. We were also scheduled as a family to go on vacation that whole week because in that whole week, we got like five birthdays and one holiday. So we said, instead of throwing five parties, let's just go away and celebrate them all at the same time. Horrible idea. I'm just playing. (laughs) No, it wasn't. But for my birthday, I was scheduled to be at La Iglesia. And um, I didn't mind it. I love God. I'm so grateful to God that to be in his house for my birthday was no big deal. Just as it's not a big deal for Marlene to be in God's house on her birthday. Today's her birthday. And I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it, especially because Maisie was the only one in my family willing to wait for me 
to go to where we were going. And you know, when I go to La Iglesia, they have four services. And one of the things that I like to do is in between services, go out and talk to people, um, just kind of mingle uh, with the people. I really enjoy that. I love people. I really, I really do. I couldn't be a pastor if I didn't love people. Um, and on that day, I think it was the second to last service in between the services. I was there and uh, somebody came up to me and they said, Pastor, God told me to give you this. And they gave me an envelope. And let me tell you, when I grabbed it, it was kind of heavy. I grabbed it, put it in my pocket. I said, thank you, thank you. I prayed for them. I just told them how grateful I was. Um, and they said, you know, we just, I just heard the voice of God to give that to you. Left it in my pocket as I was driving home. Of course I wanted to know what was in the envelope. <laughs> was it Skittles? Was it a prank? And um, when I opened the envelope, there was $2,500 inside that envelope. And I just, I didn't need it. I didn't need it to know that God loved me. But it sure felt good to know that God loves me that much. And I told Lorena, I didn't tell the rest of my family. I think I told my brother, Hugh, I said, hey, somebody gave me an envelope and he wanted to know how much because he's a chismoso, but uh, I didn't tell him. <clears throat> he's right there, so I could say that. And I felt like I couldn't, I couldn't tell anybody, right? Especially when you get blessed like that, you don't want to tell anybody because we're Hispanics, right? And what is the first thing they're going to tell you? Mocha there, right? It's like, like, hey, sharing is caring. And I just, I felt like, I had to thank God in private. Why? Why couldn't I make a big deal out of God and say, we got a God that is so good that can bless you out of the blue. Yeah. You know, and I came to church today really excited to share just one simple story with you. And I was in my office. I was in my office and just doing some things. And Ernie walked in. And he stretched out his hand. And he said, Merry Christmas. And look at what he gave me. Look at what he gave me. My family knows that I had been wanting one of these. Right? And he just said, hey, Merry Christmas. God put you in my heart to give it to you. Now, let me tell you something. These are material things. But there's things that God has done in our life that money or possessions cannot buy. This coming year, my wife and I, we're going to be celebrating 18 years of marriage. <laughs> Only by the hand of God. Amen. Amen. And listen, we got to learn to celebrate our victories. So before God gives you new victories, what victories do you need to celebrate? said, I got to recognize and I got to testify and tell somebody about the goodness of God because he blesses you so that you could be a blessing to other. And we're not cocky. We're not show-offs. We're not, no, no. We are giving God the glory. Look at what God can do in my life. Amen. So how about it? You ready for a new year? We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, 
we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but He didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you, and now you have a new life in Him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Dayspring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.